Trinity Outreach Ministries International, a teaching ministry where lives are changed through prayer, worship, the word, fellowship, and outreach. Do you know that what you do in life is important? Yeah. But do you know that why you do what you do is more important than what you do? Whew. You're going quiet on me now. Do you know that what you do is important? Yes. But do you know that why you do what you do is more important than what you do? Hmm. You're still here with me yet. I'm going to try it again the third time. I got a good amen on the first one. Do you know that what you do in life is important? Yeah. But do you know that why you do what you do is more important than what you do? All right. You know with me. Amen. Amen, amen. And let me throw a, a third question at you this morning. Do you know that your character is far more important than your religious activities? Oh, wow. Everybody was ready for that one. Yes. Your character is more important than your religious activities. Let me tell you something. You can be a steward in every church in Barbados and be a worthless sinner. Could I get amen in the house? As a matter of fact, you have never known what it is to have accepted Jesus Christ and to live as a born-again, Holy Ghost, filled, fire-baptized believer. You're a church-goer. But it does not only extend to the deacon and the elder and the steward. Guess what? You could be the pastor, the minister of Ecclesiastes, and be a churchgoer and not a Christian. Your character shows that you can talk the talk, but you don't live what you preach. And as we get into the real Messiah, uh, the theme for this year is growing and going by increasing in the knowledge of God. And every month we are going to be focusing on a different book in the New Testament. We started the year by looking at Matthew. Next month we'll go into Mark. Next, the following month, we're going to Luke. The following month, we're going to John. We're going to work our way through wherever we get by December, one book a month. In Jesus' wonderful name. And for the month of January, the theme from Matthew is Jesus the Messiah. And he is showing us how Jesus was indeed the real Messiah as confirmed by the prophets, the fulfillment of prophecy. And then Jesus quickly 
at the very beginning of his ministry, took time off to point out to all of his followers that there are three basic traps that cause people to stumble and fall from the beginning until 2023. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And we, we showed how we put in there greed. We put in there uh, sexual sins. We show, we show how in there abuse of power. We showed in there all those things that will contribute to the downfall of men and women across the world can all be categorized into the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And he showed us that the way to conquer them and not to fall into those traps is by it is written when you are guided by the Holy Spirit. Stand on the word and be guided by the Holy Spirit and you will not fall into those old traps. We showed you how from the very beginning in Genesis, in the Garden of Eden, it's the same three traps. And coming all the way down, it's still the same three traps. Last week we dealt with the revolutionary Messiah. With his radical statements you have heard it said by the prophets of old but i say to you you have heard it said but i say to you in other words he was radically upsetting the teachings of the day by the religious leadership and what we saw coming on we want to answer some questions because these questions are burning in our hearts we said, do you know that what you do is important? You said yes. Turn with me quickly to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25. And we'll pick up the reading from verse 34. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25, and pick up the reading from verse 34. I still use the old pages that you have to turn. I know some of you just scroll and swipe, and you're there already. Careful you don't swipe too fast. You'll go past. Hallelujah. Are we together? Then he will say to those on his right hand, Come you, blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Verse 35, Matthew 25. It is written in red. It's Jesus speaking. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When do we see you a stranger or took you in or naked and clothed you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and came and visit you? So you see, all of those is what? What you do. Look at the last verse, verse 40. Then the king, Jesus himself, will answer and say to you, 
Assuredly, I say to you, in as much as you did it to one of the least of my brethren, you did it to me. So what you do is important. So don't run away with the idea that what you do is not important. What you do is important. But what I'm here to tell you, though, what you do is important, but why you do it is even more important. That's what I'm getting at. Not that one is not important and that one is important, but that one is more important than the other one, but they're all important. Go with me to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. Look at the church that he's addressing there, Revelation chapter 2. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Revelation chapter 2. It's the last book in the Bible. Keep turning, you'll find it. All right. To the angel of the church at Ephesus write. Ephesus. Revelation chapter 2 verse 1. These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Again, it is written in red. I know your works, your labor, your patience. You can't bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not. Oops. We got some of those around. Don't worry, leave that alone. And have found them liars. We have the, we, we, that is true too. And you have persevered and are patient as have labored. Have labored. You're doing things. You're doing a lot of works. But so, verse 4. Verse 4. Revelation 2. Verse 4. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You have what? Left your first love. So why you're doing it is no longer because you, your heart in it. You, you, you love what you're doing. You don't have no inner vibe or motivation for doing this. You're just going through a dead form of ritual. And the Lord is saying, hey, look, if that's why you're doing it, don't do it at all. Because it ain't worth nothing. That's how I would put it. But let's see how the scriptures put it. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So what you do is important. But why you do what you do is also more important than what you do. Because you need to put your heart into it. Hallelujah. Because man looks on the outward appearance, but God is checking out what? The heart. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 puts it this way. It says, do I speak with the, the tongues of men and of angels, but have not what? Love. I have become as a what? A sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. In other words, if you read the message of the passion, it will tell you are good for nothing, nothing. So you are this big religious McGuffey going around doing all these big religious activities, but your heart is not in it. And the reason why you're doing it is not because you love the Lord or love people, but because you want to be on in the media. Don't let me give any particular radio station or TV station publicity this morning. So you are grinning and greeting and giving out goodies for ratings in the media. 
Not because you love God or you love anybody. Careful, careful, careful. And don't do that as a church. Verse 2. And do I have the gift of prophecy? Oh, we got enough prophets around these days. And I understand all ministries and knowledge. Some of them is proper life for hell's sake. Yeah. And do I have all faith so that I can remove mountains? But have not what? Love. In other words, why are you doing it? Your heart ain't in it. You're just an actor, a hypocrite. So why you do something is more important than what you do from a biblical perspective. Everything Pastor Mike says is from a what? A biblical perspective. Let's do verse 3. And do I bestow all my goods to feed the poor? Isn't that good works? Isn't that good works? And do I bestow all my goods to feed the poor? And do I give my body to be burned? But have not love, it profit me what? Nothing is a waste of time, it's a sham, it's a show. Angela jumping up at the back there. She must have got the passion. You got the passion there? I, 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 I believe so. But the way you behaving in church, I would believe that you're reading the Passion. Mary, you had a Passion too? The two want to come here. Let me see if I can get good behavior up in the church. Please give the two of these a microphone so I can hear this portion of Scripture. Mary and Angela, come. The two yoga and support one another. Hold hands as you come. Praise God. Have you ever been to a service where the pastor calls somebody out of the congregation says in the pulpit? Lord have mercy, what's going on up in here? No, 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 no. Bring her down here. I'm down here. You come in, in front of the class. In front of the class. I come in there too. Hallelujah. Could you give the two wonderful sisters a wonderful hand of appreciation? But look at you. You glad I ain't called you, right, Harriet? Uh, I ain't calling no names. All right. Let us read what the passion said. You have the passion? Yes, I have it. And you have the passion. You read verse 1, you read verse 2, and you read verse 3. Let us listen to how to put it. If I speak with eloquence in Woo. earth, many languages, uh -huh. and in the heavenly languages of angels, Woo. yet I express myself with love my words would be to reduce sorry my words would be reduced to the hollow sound of nothing more than a clanging cymbal wow i have all the oratorial skills uh, I, I, I don't use any what many years ago they used to call them green verbs i don't know if you all remember anything about the green verbs hallelujah so though we can put all of our words together and impress man if the why we're doing it is not right from heaven's point of view, it's a waste of time. Re read the second verse now. And if I were to have the gift of prophecy with a profound understanding of God's hidden secrets, 
and if I possess unending supernatural knowledge, and if I had the greatest gift of faith that could move mountains, but have never learned to love, then I am nothing. Oh, my word, my word, my word. And bring it home, Sister Mary. Bring it home. Bring it home. Verse 3. Bring it home. And if I were to be so generous Ooh. to give away everything I own to feed the poor. Give away everything I own to feed the poor. And to offer my body to be burnt as a martyr. Ooh. Without the pure motive of love. Motive. I would gain nothing of value. Wow. Let's give these two wonderful sisters a wonderful hand of appreciation. And thank you for coming. Let's give them a wonderful hand of appreciation. Amen, amen, amen. So, what you do is important. But why you do what you do is more important than what you do. So if you can give somebody a breadfruit, give them in love. If you can't do it in love, don't get them the breadfruit. Stay and eat it yourself. And I hope you choke. I can come and help clap your back. But, but, everybody all right? Say amen. You all glad to be in church today? Amen, amen. Matthew chapter 23 is where I'm going next. Your character is more important than your religious activities. Do you know that? Matthew chapter 23. And I'm going to take up the reading at verse 13. Matthew chapter 23 and verse 13. Matthew 23. Matthew 23. I'm going to take up the reading at verse 13. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. These are the religious leadership of the day, you know. These are the guys walking around with all of the religious leadership. For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. Oops. For you neither go in yourself. Oh, dear me. Nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. In other words, you are so religious that you are, you are held on. Woo! Woo! You're going to quiet on me again. Your character is more important than your religious activities. Jesus said it. And so in the passage that was nicely read for us this morning, Matthew's Gospel chapter 5, that's where we are going to zero in for the rest of our journey here together today. What is the whole focus of this journey in Matthew chapter 5? Some call it the Beatitudes. But let us get back into the original and see what this is all about. If you take the text out of the context, you end up with a con. This is very gratifying to the teacher to hear the students are so fast in the uptake. If you take the text out of the context, you end up with a con. 
And it hurts my heart to hear how many persons preaching scriptures out of context. You can have the Bible say whatever you want it to say as long as you prepare to take it out of context. But let's keep it in context. Jesus had spent the whole night in prayer. Jesus had gone up to the mountain at, the, at dusk. And he had spent the whole night in prayer. Early in the morning at sunrise, he called his disciples together. There were far more than 12 of them. These were people who were following him and following him and following him in these early stages of his ministry. Having spent the whole night in prayer, he then looked at the group of people that were following him and he selected 12 who he called apostles. And we know the name of those 12, the names of those 12. In other words, he spent the whole night with his father talking about his criteria for selection. Anybody get that? Because he never made his selection until he spent a night in prayer. Hello? And then from the group that was with him, he selected 12 apostles. Now, could you imagine that they had more than 12 there, but he didn't select everybody? In church, when you don't select everybody, they're done. And they go to another church. Until they find one where they could get selected. Where well, you keep going, you will find one that you will get selected. We have all flavors and varieties available. So he looked at the group and he selected 12. On his heart, as a result of an entire night of prayer, was his criteria for selection. With that in mind, he is, it's, it, the morning is beginning to warm up. The crowds are hearing that he is up there. There is, it's like an amphitheater. It's a, it's a wide area that could sit. Your voice will travel nicely from such a location. And the crowd started together. What did he spend the whole night doing? Praying. What did he do first thing at sunrise? Select his 12 apostles. What is on his mind? His criteria for selection. And he opens his mouth and he gives this. Therefore, this is much more than meets the eye. You have to look at this with the background of it being said with someone who spent a night in prayer focusing on his criteria for selection. And when you look at it from that perspective, the Beatitudes are completely changed in your perspective. I have heard ministers go through these and they preach on one each Sunday. Until they get right through. It takes them two or, two or three months to go through the Beatitudes. They preach on one every Sunday. Today we're going to do all in a few minutes. 
because I want you just to get the overview and I want the Holy Spirit to then encourage you to give the deep details. What is going on here? And seeing the multitude, he went up a mountain. In the original it says, he turned back and went back a little further up the mountain. You all got to understand context. He had spent the night in prayer. He had selected his disciples at sunrise early in the morning. These crowds are now coming to him. So he is now going to reposition himself in a position so he could teach them and talk with them. What's on his mind? On his mind is what? His selection criteria. And what is the first thing he goes into? And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. In other words, they formed a core group around him. Being seated at the time was Jesus' posture for teaching. If you remember when he went into the tabernacle, the temple, and he was given the book of Isaiah, the scripture said that having read the scripture, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, and so on. He, having read the scripture, he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and he what? Sat and then taught. So whether he was in the open or whether he was in a building, his posture for teaching was sitting. Whew. I can leave the one alone. Because when I started to research, why ministers stand up and congregations sit? I said, Lord, have mercy. When I found out why you have lower altar, higher altar, highest altar, and the mother God be the highest up you, and he need binoculars to see you, I said, Lord, have mercy. But that is not the lesson today. So let's leave the word. We can talk about that another time. So with the criteria for selection of his disciples on his mind, he is now going to share with the multitude his criteria for his selection for his followers. So, in other words, Matthew chapter 5 verses 1 through 16 is a description of the character of those persons who are true followers of Jesus the Christ. A description of the character of those persons who are true followers of Jesus the Christ. In other words, the God-like character that should be progressively seen in all true followers of Jesus Christ. In other words, he is interested in character in selecting his followers and he is interested in character development in his followers. You're going quiet on me again. Now I read this translation, New King James Version, and it said, Blessed. Read other translations and it said, Happy. So I said to myself, I need to find out what the original is. And let me read it to you in the original. 
And for the rest of the morning, we're going to go in the original. So I'm not talking about blessed anymore, nor happy anymore. I'm going into the original. And this is what it says. This is how the original should be read in English. Remember that this is in, it is believed to have been originally written in Aramaic and then translated to Greek, then translated to Latin, then translated to English. So when people come arguing about, uh, I don't see this word in the Bible and therefore this, day, I don't really argue with them because any word you see in English in the Bible, a man put it there. Because it was Hebrew, Aramaic, Greek. Matthew is supposed to have been written a lot in Aramaic because he was writing to the Jews at that time. This is how it should be read. Fortunate and in an enviable position are persons with the character of let me go it over again. If you never write anything in this church before, write this one down. Fortunate and in an enviable position are persons with the character of. This is how he is selecting his followers. This is the character, with respect to character, this is what he is looking for, for his followers. And in terms of his followers, the first thing he wants to see is character. Could anybody understand what I'm saying? In church, we put people in place because they're a warm body and you need one. Yes or no? You need somebody there, you need somebody there, you need somebody there. Uh, anybody come forward, come on, come on, fill in, fill in. Uh, uh, you, you, you love the Lord? Come, 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 come. You need a warm body to fill a post. Check many churches across the length and breadth of this country. And that's why you have people in all sorts of positions who are churchgoers and not Christians. Because... Character is not used as the number one priority for the selection of people to participate in ministry. When character is what Jesus was concerned about, number one, character. And we preach this about blessing, blessing, blessing. You're going to be blessed, you're going to be blessed, you're going to be blessed, you're going to be blessed. Yeah, you missed the point. He has spent a night in prayer. Selection criteria was on his mind. He had already now selected the 12 apostles from the group of people that were around him. And he's now going to tell the multitude, this is what I am looking for. If you're going to be a follower of mine. Character. And the first thing he's looking for in character is what? Poor in spirit. How should poor in spirit be interpreted in 2023? Humility. My Lord have mercy. Humility was his number one characteristic that he was looking for, for anybody to be part of his following group. A 
time, what a difference they would make up in the church if elders would stop being so proud, if pastors would stop being so proud, if ministers of the gospel would stop being so proud, if worship leaders would stop being so proud, if band members would stop being so proud, and if we should have some humble people up in the place so that the Holy Ghost could flow to us, we will have a different church. Somebody say, cool down, pastor. I don't know what you had for breakfast. Well, I ain't had breakfast yet. I was just waiting to get here. Come bring myself to eat or drink. Ask yourself. But Jesus is number one. And the answer to that is easy. Are you a humble person? Would the people who live with you be able to testify that you are an embodiment of humility? Would the people who work with you be able to say that you are an embodiment of humility? Would be the people who know you good, real, real good, be able to say that you are an embodiment of humility? But guess what? None of them know you as good as God. So does God regard you as a humble person? Why are you pushing back at me? Woo! Woo, woo, woo! Barbara, pray for the pastor. Pray now. Woo! Father, in the name of Jesus, as we speak the truth, the truth sometimes people can't handle the truth. They want the truth, but they can't handle the truth. Well, Lord, help us to be able to express the truth the way you see it and the, the way it really is, Lord. Because at the end of the day, you are not here to condemn. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. You want them to come on in and you want them to change from the inside. So number one. Persons who are genuinely true followers of Jesus Christ are humble people. And if you could smell the arrogance a mile off, regardless of how much church vocabulary is being used, you don't have to worry. You know the answer. You're going with what your Messiah told you. Jesus, the real Messiah. Jesus, the revolutionary Messiah. Jesus, the relevant Messiah. What did he tell you? That humility is the number one. You know who I am. Yeah, I know who you are, a pile of clay whose breath is in the hands of God. Persons who just want to impress that they are followers of Jesus are in the impressing business. Therefore, they are proud, they are arrogant, they have big egos, they are highly self-opinionated. They want people to know how deeply spiritual they are. And they are stinking in the sight of God. James puts it this way, God resisted the proud. He pushed back on them. He wants nothing to do with them. But he gives grace to the humble. And for by grace we are saved 
through faith and that not of ourselves. It is a gift of God. But by grace are ye saved. And I want grace and more grace. Therefore, the scripture says in James 4.10, Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord that he will lift you up. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 20. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 20. For I say to you, Trinity Outreach Ministries, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. In other words, don't just talk the talk. Let your character line up with the word of God so that you can be fortunate and be in an enviable position and be sure to receive the following blessings of the Lord. So those who are humble in the sight of God can expect what from God? Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, God blesses you. But you got to understand what's going on. Go with me to Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23. Tell me if you note any humility here. Matthew chapter 23, I'm going to read verses 5, 6, and 7. Tell me if you spot any humility here. But all their works they do to be seen by men. I feel like calling them passion readers again. But anyhow. All their works they do to be seen by men. They make broad, large garments and robes so that they can conspicuously holy. They love the best places at feasts, the best seats in the synagogue, greetings in the marketplace, and being called by men, Rabbi, 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 big, big, massive egos. Tell me if you see any humility in that, or what Jesus called them, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, what Jesus tells us at Trinity or Rich Ministries today, unless your righteousness exceeds. You remember last week I shared, I called somebody a 2023 Pharisee. So they get upset. That's good. Get upset with God. If your attitude to life is an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, you are not who you think you are. Jesus said it last week. And where are you telling children, if anybody hit you, hit them back. And they, they kiss them and kick them back. You are going down the eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And you need to repent. Because unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of a scribe or Pharisee, you will not even see the kingdom of heaven. And so this is what the, the Lord is saying to, and the Messiah is saying to us this morning. 
We say we're going to finish all today. It looks like some will have to go back in the fridge and continue to marinate until next time. Because it's better to go slow and get it right than to rush and just have notes in your Bible. I am not interested in your notes. I'm interested in your changed life. Why am I interested in your changed life? Because I want to see all of you all in heaven. I want each and every one of you to make it. But if his number one priority is character, where is your character? Who you think you're fooling? Secondly, and just as we do on Tuesday evenings and our Bible study, we don't ever cover everything that we plan to cover. Anybody could say amen to that? When the Lord takes over on a Tuesday evening, uh, sometimes we do one verse. And then somebody asks me, you all did Bible study what you did? I say we did one verse. Only that? But if you were present, you would understand why that one verse kept us for an hour and a half. God, we are interested in changed lives. Amen? Second one. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 4. Fortunate and in an enviable position are persons with the character of what? Those who mourn. For those persons can expect the following from God. They shall be comforted. This mourn here is applicable in two concepts, two, two aspects. It is applicable in the aspect of your physical mourning because of your bereavement. But it is also applicable in godly sorrow over the sinful state of your loved ones. Your godly sorrow over the sinful state of your loved ones. And by extension, the wider community. And so he's saying, I am looking for people with certain character, characteristics, character traits. I am interested in character if you're going to be a follower of, my, of Jesus the Christ. And to get character, you've got to change on the inside. Not behavioral modification, which is on the outside, but when your behavior changes on the outside, it must be as a result of the changes that have taken place on the inside. Go with me quickly. Where are we going? Psalm 23. Just one verse, Psalm 23. In Psalm 23, in verse 4, we read what? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Go back to Matthew chapter 5. The Messiah knew this thing 
Because he wrote this thing. This is what he's saying. Blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. The very same thing in less words. Same concept. Fortunate and in an enviable position are persons with the character of mourning because those persons can expect that God will comfort them. When I read this, I said, Lord, you know Mike has a small brain, and you know Mike takes a long time to grasp things. So, Lord, you need to really explain this one to me. Because I don't get it. Are you telling me that I must go around morning, 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 morning every day? Is that what you're telling me? Let me give you all an example that I don't really get it sometimes. Anybody knows Pastor Mike is not perfect? Say amen. Uh, how many of you know you ain't perfect either? Amen. A few years ago, I set up all my stuff on my desk at home to study. I love to study the word. And by being in this church, you see the fruit of, the fruit of it. I love to study the word. I love to get back in the original. I like to understand the context. I like to say, oh, what's going on here? So I set up everything, and this was a few years ago. I'm just showing you that I don't always get it. And I was getting ready to go and settle down, push my feet up underneath the desk, and settle down. And the desk was up against a wall. So when I push my feet over there, it would be on a, what the, you all wouldn't know anything about this. The old people would know. They used to make a small bench. Anybody remembers them small benches? I used to put it up on each desk before you had money to go to them fancy places and buy footrests. Anybody remembers what I'm talking about? Yeah. Well, we got some real people up in here. Some of these behave as though they're born in suit and tie and see, you know. And, 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 oh, okay, go, I'm going to leave you all alone. I had a small bench underneath the table. And as I was going to settle down, I reached, but before I sat down, I heard, kill that snake before you settle in. I stopped. I said, that's stupidness. Barbers don't have snakes. I said, that is stupidness. Barbers don't have snakes. Just to prove that the voice was wrong. And that there was nothing to worry about. And to just get it off my mind. And to be able to focus on my study. I bend down. And I look underneath the table. The desk. Sitting on top of the small bench. Alva, you listening to me? A centipede about eight inches long, about a good inch wide, a robust looking great grandfather, parked right on top the bench. So as soon as I had sat down, 
And as soon as I had put my foot, I would have put both feet right on top of the... My heart started ponging. I didn't know which one to do. Kill the centipede or repent. Lord, why was I arguing with you and you were trying to save me? Lord, oh my God, what, 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 what happened here? Lord, you mean I miss you the bad? You mean, you mean two degrees come into place? Uh, I have too much education. My education, studiation, and all the Asians upset the whole nation and nearly upset the nation. After I recomposed myself, I went back and look. Uh, this can't be real. How oh, he getting in the house? How oh, he sitting now on top of my bench where I can put my foot? So I look back up on it there again. The guy is there very much alive and waiting. What was the word that came to my spirit? Kill that snake before you settle down. So I went down. I held both sides of the little bench, lifted the snake up, the centipede up. He is there watching at me. I'm holding him here. I walk to the door, balancing the little bench with one hand. I undo the door. He watching me. I watching him. We watching one another. It's either he gonna sting me or I gonna kill him. This could be a life and death situation and the person who dying in me. I won't wait to tell you all, all the details. But McLean, when I got outside, you won't recognize him from mincemeat. I had a sword. Better known as a Collins, better known as a Cutlass, better known as whatever you want to call it. It's sharp. And whack, 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 whack. And then I went back and sat at the desk. And I did no studying. I just sat at the desk. And I said, Lord, you really do speak to my Krishna, you know. Why do I doubt you, Lord? Why do I, when, when you tell me something to do A and somebody else can't tell me B, why do I hesitate between A and B and A and B? Why don't I just simply go with A? I sat down for a long time and I did no studying. But wait, how we get there, though? All right, I was saying, this passage here. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Fortunate and in an enviable position are persons with the character of those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Lord, what are you saying? Am I supposed to spend my life in bereavement? And as I argued it over the Lord, this is the answer that came back. But I had to say, well, Lord, you knew what you were saying. I didn't know. People 
who go through stuff are in a better position to help you when you are going through stuff. I don't want anybody lead me who never went through no stuff. And that is what this is saying. It is saying that emotional turbulence produces quality character. You better write it down. Emotional turbulence. When things happen in your life, it, it, it brings out your guts. It strengthens your backbone. And it helps you to see that, that sometimes in life, you have to put just one foot in front of the next and keep going because you don't know how the end will work out. But you know that God is going to work things out. Do I have an amen in the house? Anybody here been through stuff? And when you've been through stuff, you see life differently from somebody who never been through anything. You have more character. You want to get rid of all the wishy-washy behavior of somebody, put them through some stuff. Why do you think the military puts people through boot camp? It's to stuffing them up and to bring out their character. So, this service now start. The service now start. How many of you have been through some stuff? And in going through some stuff, your response is, why me? It's not about why me. It's to make you better. It's to draw you closer to God. It's to give you spiritual guts and spiritual backbone. When you speak, you speak from a position of authority, having been through stuff. I had a young man telling me about teaching school. Now, I've been in this now 40 years. How many years has he been teaching? None. When he wants to advise me on teaching school, my look, move for in front of me. People who have not been through some stuff have all sorts of fairy tales to bring to before you. But when you have been through it, you know where the rubber meets the road. And you know that my God liveth. And if this body is destroyed, I shall still see him in this body. Well, I'll see him for myself because I know that my Redeemer liveth. People who've been through some stuff got character. And when we give our children every little thing they ask for, we are preventing them from developing character. And so when they get out there, they don't have character to stand on and they go with every wind. You don't give a child everything regardless if you can afford it or not. Because you're developing what? Character. So what is the characteristic? The character trait that he's looking for here in one word tenacity what is it pastor tenacity what is tenacity refusing to quit refusing to give up in my term 
stick to itiveness. That is who Jesus is looking for. And he makes it so clear. He says, if you put your hand to the plow and you turn back, he says, you are not fit for the kingdom of heaven. Read it in your own Bible. Because you have demonstrated you don't have the character of tenacity. But let me add this. We've got to close. But we've got to do a little of this next week. But let me add this. How is your humility? How is your tenacity? You see, let me tell you something. I hear me loud and clear. You cannot start out to become a successful follower of Jesus Christ without humility. It starts with humility. Anybody remembers the term progressive sanctification? As progressive sanctification takes place, humility grows. You see, character is not something you get overnight. You can't come to an altar, touch you, you fall down and get up in character. Let me say that again. You can't come to the altar, I touch you, and you get back up in character. Character is going to take time. And character is going to be developed on the inside. And character is developed under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And character is developed when you go one-on-one -on -one with God. And when you're on the inside, you keep calling on God. You have to want to improve your character. Let us bow our heads together in prayer. I'll put away these and we'll continue another time. Please, check yourself from a biblical perspective. If you want to be a true, genuine follower of Jesus, he is looking for number one, the character of humility. That is his first characteristic that he's looking for. Humility. The second characteristic he's looking for is tenacity. Check my Critchlow out. I ask forgiveness. I ask for cleansing. I ask for any area that needs to be cleaned up in terms of humility and tenacity. I pray for my brothers. I pray for my sisters. That you will also move in their areas of humility and tenacity. Let there be a revolution in their lives. A revolution in their homes. A revolution in their attitudes. Because attitude is a reflection of character. It's a function of character. I ask for changed lives today. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. There's so much more that could be said, but 
we need to bring the service to a close. Do you realize that in 2023, we are training people to believe that the whole world revolves around them? Every, have you noticed that everybody believes that the world revolves around them now? That everything you do is either a reaction to them or for, to them. Everything is for them. You pass, you got something in your mind, and somebody says, you know this, he has speak to me. If you knew what was going on in his head, you would go and pray for him instead of spreading a rumor that he has speak to you. Hello? And as you think about that, the more you think about the present society we live in, you realize how far away from humility has our society drifted. And that is the number one characteristic that after a night of prayer, Jesus mentioned for his followers. The second thing that you notice that he talked about was tenacity. How often have you come across somebody, I done with that, I done with that, I done with that, I done with that, I done with that. It's a status symbol to be done with that. I don't go there no more. I didn't say I done with that. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? You tell them how to wash the dishes, to walk away, I done with that. You tell them how to cut the yard. You want that fence cut and that bush cut. I, I done with that. You could get somebody else. Anybody knows what I mean? Day in day, getting good labor is tough. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? Everybody wants to get paid, but nobody wants to work. Oh, sorry. Not everybody. Some. And they quick, quick, quick to done with that. I can't done with that. Because at the end of the day, the old people say, oh, you make up your bed, so you're going to lie down in it. So I got to stop and make sure I make up the bed. I can't done with that. I have bills to pay, people to take care of, mortgage to take place, or gas to put in the vehicle. I can't done with that. Anybody understand what I'm saying? But look how far away from done with that is the characteristic that Jesus is looking for. Stick to itiveness. Some through the water. Some through the fire. Some through the river. Some through the storm. Isaiah 41, Isaiah 43. As a matter of fact, I know I was wrapping up. Somebody said, Pastor, you sure you were wrapping up? Yeah, I was wrapping up. Isaiah 43, where you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. And when you go through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flames scorch you. Hallelujah. That is the sort of person that God is looking for. If you can't run with the horsemen, how are you going to run with the horses? Let us bow our heads together in prayer. Father, we thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness and your mercies. And now, Lord, all I can be is a sower of the seed. That's all. Lord, my Christian can't make nobody change, especially adults. But Lord, 
By the moving of your Holy Spirit, you can change lives. So I ask for changed lives today and for the rest of this week. And I ask that this world will have fallen on good ground. Grant success and victory this week. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Trinity Outreach Ministries International. Growing and going by increasing in the knowledge of God.